He is great and worthy to be praised. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm like David. You know, it's cliche to say we say it all the time, but David said he was glad when they said unto him, let us go unto the house of the Lord. It's not because of who he was going to see. I had no idea y'all were going to be here. I'm glad y'all are here. It's not because I was anticipating some, some great, glorious, amazing thing to happen like the, like the, the, the clouds was just going to come apart and Christ Himself would come down. I'm, I'm waiting for that day. This is a day that the Lord has declared His people gather in His name to worship Him with all of their mind, all of their soul, all of their might. I'm glad to be here. Another cliche we say, we call them pastorisms, is I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I hope that that's your desire. There's a lot of places we could be. But I'm glad you're here. Lord, help our technology. Just trying to do an update. We can't do that right now. It's preaching time. We did it last week without notes. I guess we could do it this week as well. It's kind of like a security blanket for us preachers. Is I just, I just need them there. I don't get to use them a lot, but I just need them there. Amen? Last week, I didn't have nothing but a postcard, and all it had was two verses on it. And, and I still found myself looking down like this, like, like I had something to read. I didn't. It was all the Lord. It was a great time. Amen? This is going to be the Lord as well. I believe He has is, he is put us here today to hear a word from Him. Amen? Now, I hope you didn't come to hear from me. I get tongue-tied. I say words wrong. I say hungry instead of hungry. I, I say things with a country accent. I, I'm an implant. I'm not a, a, a genuine Davilian. I come from the other side of the pine thicket from center point. But we have a way of speaking, and, and sometimes it's not... It's not exactly what you want it to hear. I hope you didn't come from me. My prayer this morning as I re-looked over my notes and over these, these Scriptures is that you hear a better message than I've prepared today. That's my hope and that's my plea. Christ preaches very well. It said that God had one Son, one only begotten Son, and when He come as God in the flesh, He made Him a preacher. He was great at it. He is great at it. He's still good at it. Hopefully, you understand that. Stand with me this morning. We're going to talk about burning bridges. Burning bridges. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Amen. Let us pray and we'll read His Word. Lord, we thank You, Lord, for the Spirit that we feel in this place. Lord, for the ability to stand, O God, and hear from You, Lord, to worship You, Lord, the glorious gift of salvation that You have given to 
us today, Lord. I ask that you move upon the hearts and the minds of the ones who are here, Lord, the ones who aren't here. You see, oh God, where they are as well. You know the hearts of men, oh God. Help us, Lord, to understand your word, to hide it in our heart, Lord, that we may not sin against you. Give us, oh God, ears to hear this day, Lord. I ask this in your name. Amen. First Timothy chapter six, two verses, verse 11 and verse 12. The word of God reads like this, but flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godless, or not godlessness, wow, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Thank you for standing. But flee from these things, you man of God. And that there isn't speaking to men specifically, that is mankind, that is both man and woman this morning. Don't feel like you're left out. This is for all of us. Amen? But flee from these things. Paul has just given us a, a detailed description of the state of mankind, the sinfulness that we have. Look in, uh, just, just to name a few, in verse 4, said he is conceited and understands nothing. But he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, a constant friction between men of deprived mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. In other words, it's something that we can purchase. You can purchase godliness. You can purchase righteousness. We see this again in the book of Acts, do we not? Where Paul is preaching and there's those that come up and say, hey, you're saying some pretty cool stuff. You've got these signs showing that people are being healed. Uh, devils are being cast out. We, we want this salvation that you're talking about. And it's almost as if Paul, could, before he can give them the gospel, he goes, how much is it? Let us purchase this thing that you have. Folks, there's no amount of money in the world that can purchase my salvation. If it was, I could attain it. The Bible says I couldn't attain it. I didn't choose Christ. He, he chose me. He found me in my deep despair. Oh, the nights that I cried out to Him, Lord, save me. It's almost as if I was living out the Word of God without even understanding it. Seek and you will find. Knock and I will open to you. After salvation, the learning that comes, the stumbling that comes, the imperfection, the hurt, the conviction, the repentance. All of it, Romans 8, is good for us. I can't buy this. I can't work for this. I don't work to obtain my salvation. Because of salvation, I work. Amen. Glory to God. As Christians, we must remember two things 
as we apply the truths of the Bible to our lives. Of, of everything that we do, when you're studying the Word, remember these two truths, because in order to apply the truths of the Word of God, we have to understand two things. One, God is sovereign. He's sovereign over our lives. He's sovereign over everything. He is sovereign over our lives before salvation. He is sovereign in our lives at salvation. And He is surely sovereign in our lives after salvation. You do not sanctify yourself. I cannot do that. I want to be a better person. The desire that's in me strives to make me like the image of Christ. And I fail. Because I can't do it in myself. But the Spirit that's in me says, in your imperfection, I will make you perfect. Sanctification. It's the sign of a believer. Are you better than you were yesterday? Praise God. Salvation is unto you. Can you look back a year and say, I'm better than I was then? Can you look back and say, I've, I've kind of grown stagnant. I, I really haven't grown that's a bad place to find yourself. Don't get me wrong. We never want to be stagnant in Christ. But have you fell back? Maybe you just haven't grew. Maybe there's some things in your life that are holding you back. Maybe there's some bridges that we need to burn. Maybe there's some things that we have left undone. God is sovereign. What you saying, preacher? I'm saying that He has sent His Spirit to indwell in men and that Spirit has a work to do. And that work is to perfect us from glory to glory, from faith to faith, to sanctify us every day of our life until we are glorified. Praise God. That is happening. Whether we kick against the pricks like Paul, whether we are like Peter and we feel the unction and we stand up and we preach for the first time as if we're Stephen and we're being persecuted and I'm given a chance to back out, but instead I boldly pronounce the Gospel, proclaim the Gospel. And if you're like Jonah, and God speaks to you, and you go, uh-uh, not this guy. You must, I know you're sovereign over everything. I know you see everything, but you must have a blind eye to Nineveh. Uh, we, we, they're killing us over there. We can't go over there. Nevertheless, God is sovereign. And he had told Jonah, you will speak. You will go. It wasn't a suggestion. And by way of a big fish, Jonah went. Jonah spoke. It, the will of God didn't change. You understand that in the, in the story of Jonah. He ended up doing what God told him to do by way of catastrophe. Didn't have to be that way. He could have just got up and went. How, how many has ever been there? I end up doing the will of my father. Sometimes I stumble. Sometimes it's from great uh, loss on my part. Sometimes I have to get beat over the head because I'm hard-headed. I understand the whole time. Jonah knew who God was. Never questioned it. He heard the Word of God and he said, Lord, <laughs> in the boat, he knew exactly what was going on. When they said, we don't understand what's happening. And they threw lots, right? And the lots fell on Jonah. Jonah knew where them lots was going. He knew, he knew the problem. It's me, Lord. It's me. And instead of backing down that time, because see, now there's other souls in the mix. It's not just Jonah. 
there's other people. There's a boat that's about to be lost. There's some sailors who need God, need to understand, and they're about to be lost because of me. No, it's me, Lord. And the Bible says that God had already prepared a great fish because He's sovereign. He knew exactly where Jonah was going to be. Three days and three nights in the belly of a whale, and Jonah changed his mind. He repented. The Bible says that there was seaweed wrapped around him, and, and, and in the midst of that horrid place, he said, okay, you got me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. Give me another chance. He repented. And the Bible says that God called the fish to spit him up on the dry land. And the thing that I find incredible, but I understand, is God gives him another chance. And the Bible doesn't say he went home and changed clothes. He took a bath. He ate. It said he went to Nineveh. Could you imagine the prophet of God? He just spent three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. He stinketh by now but they listened. And because of a willingness to adhere to the Word of God, Jonah burned his bridge to the fish. He understood the error of his ways. He repented and he did the thing that God asked him to do. And because of that, a whole city has seen repentance. Where are you this morning? God is sovereign. That's the first thing we need to understand. He is the one that causes all things to be. He ordains His creation to do His will. Don't take my word for it. We'll look at a few, few Scriptures. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says this, For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Proverbs 16 and 33, the lot is cast into the lap. But it's every decision is from the Lord. That's right, Uh uh-oh. Second thing we need to understand, first is God is sovereign. His will will be done, period. Second thing, them babies don't bother me. So that's something most of the time, that's your amen corner. Mankind, this is the second thing, this is the second truth. Mankind is clearly responsible for their sinfulness. God is sovereign, and it's my fault that I am not righteous. Crazy, I know. Two truths run parallel in the Word of God, and those are it. We're clearly responsible through the Word. We are all continually called on by God to turn from, to repent of our sins. If you did a word study on turn from, you're going to get pages and pages and pages of Scriptures where God Himself is pleading with mankind, come to Me, come to Me. You have left, come to Me. Repent, turn, repent, turn. Over and over and over again. To stop doing wrong and do right. Just stop doing that. Every time I, 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 I think of that, I, I'm, I'm an old soul. I, I was 
raised with grandparents uh, close to home. I remember watching Hee Haw. That's maybe a little too young for some of us. But there was a doctor on there and you would go and, and you would say, hey, it hurts when I do this. And he would hit you over the head with a rubber chicken and he'd say, don't do that. Stop it. Well, well, Doc, it, it hurts when I do this. And he'd hit you with that rubber chicken and he'd say, just stop it. It's funny, it's comical, but that's, that's very much what God does with mankind. Just stop. Stop doing wrong. Why do you continue to fall into your sinfulness? Come to Me. He looked at Jerusalem and He said, how I would love. He's weeping. This is one of those times where Jesus cries and He says, how I would love to gather you to Me as a hen gathers her chicks. But you will not. It hurts the Lord. He doesn't like to be angry at us. But He is just. And justice will be done. Ecclesiastes tells us this. There's plenty of places we could have went, but, but Ecclesiastes 12 and 13, the conclusion, this is after all, this is the wisest man in the world, right? Solomon. And this is the last thing he writes in his book of Ecclesiastes. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God, keep His commandments, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. We're responsible. God is sovereign. We're responsible. With these truths ever in our mind, let us look at now our Christian walk. How does that apply to us? What does that, what does that mean? I understand God is sovereign. He's God. He wouldn't be God, capital G, if He, if he wasn't in control of everything. If there was one rogue Adam out in, the, out in the wilderness anywhere, out in the universe anywhere, He would not be God. There would be something that was above Him. He's not in control of every single thing. We understand God is sovereign. We also understand, whether you really want to admit it or not, that I'm responsible for my actions. Forget, forget church, forget the religion, just, just live your life. If I stop going to work tomorrow, Brother Ronnie's going to be very mad. But guess what's going to happen? There's a cause and effect to our actions. Right? If I stop going to work tomorrow, I'm going to stop getting paid. And if I stop getting paid, my family's going to go hungry. And if my family goes hungry, there's going to be a lot of mad people at me. You read in the Word of God, and what does that make me? That says it makes me worse than an infidel, worse than an apostate person. There's cause and effect to our actions. We're responsible for what happens in our life. These truths are ever-present. We know that God is working things out of our life through the sovereign work of the Holy Ghost. It, it, it is His work to do so. We are transformed by the work of God to be made more and more and more like His, like His Son, Jesus Christ. That is what it means to be Christian. To be Christ-like. And we are imperfect in that. First John says that if you say you're perfect, you've not only lied, you've made God a liar. And God isn't a liar. Somebody's lying. 
We don't like to call each other a liar, but you're not a truther. Okay? I'm not saying you're a liar, but I'm saying you have not told the truth. We know this. We give glory to God for this truth. Thank God He's working on me. Because I can't do it. Thank God that He takes time out of His busy schedule to work on little old me. As He holds the sun in the sky. As He keeps the clouds. As He keeps the air. As He keeps everything in its place. As He literally expands the universe. And then there's Scott. And his pitiful excuse of a Christian walk. And he's ever present and he's every there, ever there, and building me up. You fail today. You know that. That conviction comes. But instead of that rubber chicken hitting you over the head again, it's a loving embrace. Get up, child. Get up, man of God. Get up, woman of God. Move forward. When we haven't burned that bridge to the past and things get too difficult in our present and I want to run back, there's God going, why have you turned? Why have you strayed from the path? Please, pleading with us, come back to me. That's our responsibility to burn the bridges to our past. He's made our future. In His sovereign work, He's made a way. My job, my responsibility is to burn the past that's behind me. To make a way of no escape. To only go forward in Christ. To never go back. Christ Himself said what? That a man putting his hand to the plow and looking back, he's not fit for the kingdom. I want to be fit. I want to make it. We don't make it going back. There's nothing for us back there. Be like Paul. There's nothing left. I count it all as loss for the glory of God. For the ability to know Christ. Is that burning in us this morning? Burning the bridges to our sin. In case you're not familiar with this phrase, the term burning your bridge... It's been used since the late 1800s. It alludes to the military practice of burning bridges over rivers in order to prevent the enemy from crossing. Over time, it has come to mean to take an irrevocable step to make it impossible to go back to a previous position or situation. To take an irrevocable step to make it impossible to go back to a previous position or situation. As I sat and I thought, just about every instance of that phrase, burning your bridge, has has a negative connotation to it. You know, when you're at work and things aren't going the way they should and and you start looking for other places to work, we've we've all been there. If you have anybody who cares about you, they're going to come up to you and they're going to say this. Make sure and don't burn your bridges. You know, I understand it's tough right now. I understand things aren't going the way they should. And I'm not saying to maybe, maybe God is pushing you somewhere else. Maybe this is a sign for you to, but don't burn your bridges. Be respectable. Quit a job just like you work a job. Do it as unto the Lord. Amen? 
I'm in this tough spot and they may even be oppressing me because of my religion, but even more so, be Christ-like. Don't burn your bridges. Right? That's a good way to live. That's a good application. Be respectable and you will get respect. Treat others as you would like to be treated. Amen? Don't burn your bridge. It's a negative connotation, but I would for just a few moments talk to us about it being a positive thing. Burning your bridge or burning your way back to your sin. There's no reason to go back. We know what tempts us. My temptation isn't your temptation. I have a different bridge. Burn it. Make no way of escape. Christ has made the way. Walk in it. Don't go back. Just as our Scripture says, flee from these things. Don't go back. Don't make it easy on yourself. Burn the bridge. Give it to Christ. Walk in His light. Easily said. I understand it's difficult. We're not perfect. Praise God. We're being made perfect. Let's look at two examples. And we're just going to... They're known examples. When we think about burning bridges of our past... Let's consider two biblical examples of, of people who once lived in opposition. They lived in opposition to God. They walked in their own ways. They did things that were pleasing to their sight. And it didn't go the way they wanted it to. And in their struggle, they come to the realization that God's way is the way. They burned all bridges and followed after Him. What we should do. It's what Christ said when He said to follow after Me. There's, there's one thing that you have to do. You have to lose your life. You have to pick up your cross and follow after Me. Nowhere in that did it say go back to your old life. You, salvation has come to you. Cool. Praise God. Go on living the way you were. No, we're new. We're new in Christ. There's a newness in Me. My old ways is dead. This new way, I promise you, is the best way even if you can't see it. Even if you can't feel it. Christ has the best for you. King Manasseh. Uh, not a good reputation in the Bible. Compared to the other kings of Judah, he surely is ranked among the worst, if not the worst. You can find all of this in Second Chronicles chapter 33. Verses 1 through 10 says that he was 12 years old when he took the throne. That's not cool. That's a kid. You give a kid ultimate power, literally the sovereign over a nation, things go awry. Immediately. If Mark was writing about it, the next word would be immediately. He did wrong according to the Lord. Set up idols. He'd done a lot of bad things. Yet, when God brought judgment upon him in the form of being taken away to Babylon with hooks and bronze chains, the, verse 11 
gets pretty rough. The prophet of God comes. The word of God is, you're about to be taken by the king of Assyria, and he's going to send you to Babylon. And he's going to take you with hooks and wrap you in bronze chains. And there really isn't nothing you can do about it. And this comes to the king Manasseh and to the children of Israel. And verse 12 says they didn't care. The word come and they continued to sin. They continued to do what they wanted to do. So then the king of Assyria comes and does exactly what God says and they're taken. But then in verse 12, it says, In captivity, the once evil king entreated the Lord, his God. <laughs> See, now, uh, maybe I should have listened. And humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. He repented. He said, your way is way better than my way. I'm not doing that anymore. God heard his prayer, praise God, because he always hears the prayer of humility, of the broken, of the contrite in spirit. The Word of God says that all who come to Him, He accepts. He heard His prayer and He, he made Manasseh to go back to Jerusalem. And when he returned, he went back to his old ways. No, if you read it, said he removed the foreign gods and the idols from the house of the Lord, as well as all the altars which he had built, and he threw them outside the city. That's repentance. That's a turning from your sin. That's burning your bridge back to idolatry. That's what we should do with our sin. Make no way back. Make it difficult to sin. Am I saying we're perfect? Absolutely not. Am I saying we're sinless? God, no. But we shouldn't make it easy. Flee from it. Quit it. Don't let it rule your life. Don't practice it. Practice godliness. Think on good things. The uh, the magicians in Ephesus. Paul preached the powerful gospel of Christ in this pagan city. And, and Luke says that upon hearing the good news, many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. They didn't do it in secret. They burned them in plain sight. They repented. They turned from. Not only that, they made an outward appearance of it. A public showing of a newness of life. Don't be ashamed of your salvation. Boldly present it to the world. It's what brings people to Christ. It's His church. There's something different about you. What is it? It opens doors. It tears down walls. It gives the ability to preach truth. Pastor, I'm not a preacher. We all are preachers. We're all called to the ministry of what? Reconciliation. 
we bear the good news to the world. These people literally burned up their livelihood. This wasn't just a book collection. This is how they made money. This was their, this was their job. This was their work. They burned up their livelihood in fire. And in doing so, just like Manasseh, burning their bridge to idolatry, turning to Christ, never to cross that bridge again. You don't taste of the good things in Christ and then go back to magic. You don't hear the Word of the Lord and then that Word comes true and you repent and then go back on what God said. Let us put flame to our past life before Christ. Let us put flame to our sinfulness still in us today. Let us burn our way back to that old life. That's our responsibility. Walk in Christ. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. It says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. In other words, you haven't done anything that no one else has done. And this next part, praise God. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. You can do this. This is something that we can do. We can walk in holiness imperfectly, but being made perfect. I don't have to run back to my sin. I can choose Christ. This isn't unattainable. He's made it away. But with the temptation, we'll provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. Burn your bridge to sin. What does that look like? Well, if you have a problem with looking at things you ought not look at, Maybe you don't have a computer in your house. Maybe you don't carry a smartphone. Maybe you don't go where you're tempted to go. I was an alcoholic. Maybe you don't go to bars. It's pretty easy things that we can do. I have a problem with gossip. Don't find yourself in crowds of gossipers. I have a problem with, with, with not doing what God has told me to do. Surround yourself with believers who do God's will. Burn the bridge. Put yourself in the way. God will not deny you. Stand this morning. Yep. You and brother, brother Matt and brother Ethan, y'all come play something. God has made a way of escape from any and all sin or temptation. That's left in our lives. The thing we need to understand, there's still sin in here. I still bear the marks of my old life. And that's okay. As long as we are working those things out, as long as we're not quenching the Spirit, as long as we're allowing God to move. God understands His sovereignty has made a new way that we can, can have that we never could have had in ourselves. That's the sovereign work of God. He's made the way. Our responsibility is to walk in that way. 
You say, is it really that simple? Yeah. Yeah. Extremely hard to do at times. I get it. I want to flee from God when I should be falling into God. I want to do my way when I know it's not the right way to do things. Paul himself said the same thing. Still, as an apostle, born out of his time, has seen literally Jesus, has been called, has proselyted and evangelized the known world at the time, says, I see him. <laughs> You're in good company of sinners. But we can walk in this newness of life. Let us strive to do that. Can we all be honest this morning and say this is me? <laughs> Absolutely. This is me. I'm not preaching to your neighbor. I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. This is all of us. Let us take account of our life. Is there some bridges that we can burn? Is there still some things that we're holding on to just because I like it? Burn it. Christ is better. Heaven is worth it. It's going to hurt. Yes. Praise God. Lord, we thank You today for Your Word. Lord, we humble ourselves, Lord, before You and ask, O oh God, for this blessed hope. Lord, for this promise of sanctification. Lord, help us to work, O oh God, to war against our flesh, as the Word says, to battle the sin that's in us, O oh God, to heed the Spirit. Lord, I ask today that You touch each and every one of us. Lord, that You go into that secret place that we think is hidden, but it is not. Lord, and You bring that to bear in our life. Help us, O oh God, to deal with it. Lord, as we know, that's exactly what You want us to do. Lord, we ask this in Your name. Amen.